What's going on, everybody? This is Tillman's Corner Sports Talk. We'd like to take a second to thank everybody for listening. We have a phenomenal episode lined up today. We got Brad Crawford from 27sports.com, CBS Sports, college football analyst. Man, he dropped some absolute gems in the interview I had with him. He talks about Alabama's practice today, August 13th, Saturday. He talked about the quarterback battle of Alabama, and then a bunch of teams across the country, LSU, Auburn, Georgia. He just did a great job. But if you don't follow us, make sure you follow this podcast, share it to everybody you know, and then go to Instagram, TikTok, find us on there, Tim's Corner Sports Talk. We put out a lot of great content. After this episode, please go listen to our previous episode with Terrence Cody, man. He shared a lot of great stories with with Nick Saban, just his team, and then his great block against Tennessee. You don't want to miss it. All right, let's get right to the interview. We are here with Brad Crawford, sports analyst for 24-7 Sports. How you doing, Brad? How are you guys today? Oh, I'm doing great. We really appreciate you doing this. So tell us a little bit about yourself and how your career and how you got started. Yeah, I'm a national analyst at 24-7 Sports. We're now owned by CBS Sports, national brand, SEC on CBS. All your listeners are very familiar with that. I uh, graduated with my degree in journalism in 2009, covered ACC football for about four or five years in newspapers. I was Saturday down south, first employee down in Orlando, and then in 2016, got this national job with 24-7 Sports. So I've Got more than 10 years getting the game covering college football on a full-time basis, and I'm looking forward to season number 13 for me here in a couple weeks. Wow, that's incredible. So let, let's just jump right in. Let's talk about Alabama football. They had their, We're recording this on a Saturday. They just had their closed fall scrimmage. Can you tell us a little bit about that and what you're hearing? Yeah, I talked to two sources uh, coming out of that. Obviously, Nick Saban on the record said he wasn't too happy with offensive line play part of that is due to Dallas Turner having an excellent scrimmage I was told uh, he was in the backfield constantly obviously he's an all-american candidate no longer playing in Will Anderson's shadow in Tuscaloosa and then the million dollar question all Bama fans want to know is you know who's going to start at quarterback against Middle Tennessee and I think after the first week of camp and after the first fall uh, scrimmage Jalen Milrow right now is QB1 I was told that he went about 11 or 14, 200 yards, a couple touchdown passes. And the other two guys, Ty Simpson and Tyler Buckner, the transfer from Notre Dame, were uh, spotty at best is what I was told. So after, after the first close scrimmage, I think Milrow right now is QB1 going into that opener. So Jalen Milrow, QB1, that, that's great. I, that's exactly who I want to start because of his athletic ability. What do you think the yeah. hire of Tommy Reese does for – that QB room, especially Jalen Milrow. Yeah, Milrow's the most talented quarterback on this roster, and I think Nick Saban and Tommy Reese know that. You know, But the mistakes and the irregularities as a passer sometimes shown last season, those two issues are going to have to diminish for Jalen to keep this job throughout, in my opinion. You know, Alabama had 15 turnovers last season. Milrow was responsible for almost half of those, uh, six, I think, to be exact, and despite him playing, you know, minimal snaps and being the backup to Bryce Young. So Saban's already alluded to, you know, earlier in camp that we may see a two-quarterback system. I think Tommy Reese, is, uh, he's okay with that. Obviously, Nick's going to make the ultimate call, but Tommy Reese is the quarterback's coach in the OC, so obviously he has some say. But I think Milrow's going to start that opener against Middle Tennessee. Ty Simpson's going to play a good bit. And for me, 
Tyler Buckner, the Notre Dame transfer, is behind those two guys. And he was signed more or less as an insurance policy of sorts. So an insurance policy, that's exactly what I was fixing to ask you about Tyler Buckner. What was the reason of bringing him in? You said it was an insurance policy. Have you heard anything about the Kevin Steele coming in, kind of instilling that old Bama Nick Saban defense? What have you heard as far as how the defense is looking? Yeah, he has certainly simplified things, and I think that was the key for Nick. To you know, he had to replace both coordinators. No elite head coaches at a top five program ever want to have to replace both coordinators in the same off-season coaching cycle. But Nick did that, hiring Tommy Reese from Notre Dame, obviously getting Kevin Steele, a respected SEC defensive coordinator who has a lot of skin in the game and, and has had success at various SEC programs. I think, to me, the proof that things are simplified on that side of the ball is you have a guy like five-star freshman Caleb Downs. He's going to be a true freshman starter at the safety spot. And I know a lot of folks have compared him to Mika Fitzpatrick, also a former five-star who started as a true freshman. The biggest difference, though, is Caleb Downs plays safety and Minka as a freshman started at the star a much easier position to just kind of roam around on defense and not be asked to, you know, do a whole lot compared to that safety position. So I think Caleb Downs is going to have a really good year. I really like Bama's um, transfer portal acquisitions, especially at linebacker uh, on on defense. And then Dallas Turner, me and you talked about him in the opening, man. He is a All-American candidate off that edge. I think he's a hybrid-type playmaker. And, you know, he was penalized a lot last year, but I think if he can – play a little bit with, uh, you know, his head on a swivel and really not have to play every single down with this really deep uh, front seven, I think Dallas Turner is going to have a very, very good football season. I think you will as well, and I think you, you bring in Chris Braswell on the other side, replacing Will Anderson, and I think the sky's the limit for those two. Yeah. Let's talk about the receivers, because I've seen a little of the reports from the scrimmage. Saban mentioned a bunch of drops. What do you think adding a guy like Malik Benson, the number one JUCO player, does for that group, and will he see a lot of action? I think Malik is going to be an immediate alpha in that room. You know, I was uh, I was questioning the signing of Jermaine Burton last year from Georgia. You know, really wasn't sure what he was going to do. Had a pretty good year. I don't think he's a true wide receiver one in this offense, though. I think a guy like Benson could be. Corey Brooks expecting a very big uh, junior season from him. And then Kobe Prentice, kind of the wild card has awesome speed. You get him the ball, you know, horizontally, and, and he can make one or two guys miss on the outside and not just get a first down, but, you know, take that football to the end zone down the sideline. So I think Bama's wide receiver room is certainly uh, one of the best in the country. I wouldn't call it top five. I think Ohio State, Washington, and Texas are probably the top three teams there. But this is a wide receiver group that this season I think will be better than last. You mentioned Texas, that, that week two game. What do you think that atmosphere is going to be like? And is that one of the – to me, that game can define the college football season. If Texas wins, I think they're a front runner, could potentially go to the playoff. If Alabama wins, it you know, eases a lot of nerves. What do you think that – how big that game is going to be? That's one of my big off-season betting plays, man. I'm super high on Texas this season. You know, I, I handle our preseason bowl projections here at 24-7 sports. I make them uh, – Every every May, every July, and then every Sunday night during the season, and I've got Texas in the Final Four. This this is the first year in my career that I am a true believer in the Longhorns. They are simply loaded on both sides of the ball. Steve Sarkeesian, Bama fans know him well, former OC there. He has recruited extremely well his first couple of years. He added a five star guy this week. 
He's in line to get several more this 2024 cycle. But this year's teammate, Quinn Ewers, you know, he's the starting quarterback. He, there, There's no chance he loses his job this season. I, I think he's a All-American caliber player if he stays healthy. They like what they have it. Wide receiver with Xavier Ward, the All-American candidate. Isaiah Nayor, transfer from Wyoming, who did not play last season due to injury. You know, they got a, another first-round guy probably tied in and, and Sanders. So this will, this will be the toughest game I think Bama plays all year. And, and that includes that home game in November against LSU. I, I think Texas right now, you know, we're about a month out from that game. I think Texas goes into Tuscaloosa and, and wins. And if that happens, then Alabama's proverbial back would be against the wall. And as we know, you can't have two losses and make the playoff unless you run the table and win the SEC. So week two could be a very big wake-up call at Brian Denny for this Crimson Tide team. Yeah, I'm freaking pumped about that game. I'm really looking forward to it. And I'm a diehard Alabama fan, but I have to agree. I, if you made me pick right now, I would pick Texas. They're bringing back 10 of their 11 stars from last year. They only lose B. John Robinson. Yep. Quinn Ewers, like you said, everything you hear about him, the guy, he's cut his mullet, he's shredded. They, they say he's really focused and I'm excited about that game. I think Texas has really good upside. So let's let's kind of get off Bama. Let's talk about Georgia a little bit. Can anybody in the country stop Georgia from three-peating? I think the team that stops Georgia from three-peating is going to be Georgia if if that happens. You know, I'm I'm like all the rest of them. I, I think the schedule is obviously favorable. But, you know, a lot of that has to do with the way Nick uh, Kirby Smart has recruited there in Athens. I mean, let's let's give the guy, you know, some, some respect, back-to-back titles. He has a almost an NFL caliber roster in in terms of depth and how he's just able to reload every year. But this is what we've seen Nick Saban do in Tuscaloosa, and Kirby Smart has already built sort of Alabama light there between the hedges. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing if this you know new QB one Carson Beck is the guy I think is going to get the job. I've, I've got a few coaching friends in Georgia who have you know seen these scrimmages during the spring and. You know, they say Carson Beck was averaging, you know, nine or ten yards of play against Georgia's first team defense. And that's pretty darn good. That's probably the best defense he's going to play, you know, in the regular season until he faces, you know, Bama or LSU in Atlanta. So I'm another guy that, that has Georgia making the playoff. I'm, I'm not sure Georgia wins the SEC, but I do think they'll be 12-0 and going to Atlanta because outside of that November game at, at Neyland Stadium against Tennessee, man, there's not another ranked team on that slate. So I think Georgia, even if they have a hiccup or two, they can still play well enough to, to win those games, run the table, and get to Atlanta as the number one seed, 12-0. Yeah, for sure. They have one of the weakest schedules in the country. And I know they were supposed to play Oklahoma, but with Oklahoma coming to the SEC, it kind of screwed that up. And Talk to us right. a little bit about Brock Bowers. Have you ever seen a player, just a freak, freak athlete talk to us a little bit about him and have you ever seen a player like him who's his comp would you say yeah I was at the uh, South Carolina game last season in at Williams Bryce Stadium in Columbia and I mean Brock took an end around 75 yards he he took a little hitch route about 55 yards had a couple touchdowns like 240 total yards somewhere around there Brock's a guy who is probably college football's best tight end that I've seen and and I've been doing this almost 15 years now you know, you, you take it back to uh, guys like Jermaine Gresham back at Oklahoma when Oklahoma had Sam Bradford and, and made the championship game against Tim Tebow, I think was 08. He's another guy. Jermaine Gresham was a playmaking type tight end. Except Gresham didn't have these end-arounds, and, you know, he didn't. He wasn't really a five-tool player the way Brock Bowers is. 
I think Brock is a guy who's worthy of a top five pick. You know, we we see NFL franchises really make their wide receiver and tight end spot as important as the starting quarterback. And I think wherever he goes in the NFL, he's going to be a really, really good player for a long time. The the one surprising thing about Brock Bowers, though, you know, seeing him without pads on, man, you would not think he's a first-team All-American goat tight end. He's, he's relatively little to be, you know, 6'5", 245, whatever his stats are. Right, and to me, he's like a Travis Kelsey comp. And I, you mentioned yeah. the end of round against South Carolina, and I, I was sitting there watching, I think, with my family, and I'm just like – yeah, who the crap does an end around with a tight end and he takes it to the house? It just well, you could run like that, man. Oh and, man, and you, yeah, and and you've got Ed Steelers on the outside at wide out. You can uh, you can do a little bit of anything. I I think Mike Bobo is going to have a lot of fun with Brock Bowers this year. Yeah, I'm excited to see what Mike Bobo brings to the offense when they lose their OC. You mentioned you have Texas and Georgia in the playoff. Who are your other two teams in the playoff, and then maybe who are the other two on the outside looking in? Yeah, I think Ohio State, Michigan get there from the Big Ten. You know, I back in January I was asked to give my way too early top five, and I had Michigan number one actually, Georgia two, and I had Penn State in the top five. I I think Penn State's a team that probably goes ten and two, both losses coming to you know Michigan and Ohio State, but I really like what Penn State has as far as you know dark horse potential. They had two five star running backs, Nicholas Singleton, Catron Allen, both had a thousand yards each last year. They got a five-star quarterback now in Drew Alar, who is probably the best Penn State signee they've had in at least a decade. And and James Franklin, he's going eleven and two, I think, four different times in Happy Valley, and this is his best team yet. So, if he finds a way to split those Ohio State and Michigan games, then Penn State's a team that, if they finish eleven and one and somehow miss the Big Ten championship, we could see a scenario like we saw last season where Ohio State made it. But Ohio State's a team that just is loaded athletically. Marvin Harrison, Amik Egbuka, probably the top two wide receivers in college football. And I think if you ask anybody, man, they they tell you the same. And then, you know, obviously Bama's knocking on the door. They're they're outside the top five for me, though. I I think Bama's going to be ten and two. And, and you know whether they win the West is going to depend on if they be LSU or not. Yeah, I could see talking about Bama. I could see Bama losing to Texas and then maybe losing another one, but still making the yeah. SEC championship because that loss to Texas is outside the SEC. You mentioned Ohio State, Marvin Harrison, freak, Omega Buka, freak, and then Michigan. They're loaded. They brought a lot of their guys back. Probably the best running back duo in the country. Uh, Without a doubt, yeah. Big Ten, have they went? Are they still in divisions or did they go everybody in the same division? The best two teams make yeah, the championship. I believe this is the last year. Don't don't quote me on this. I, I believe it's the last year for, for Big Ten Division because, you know, I, I, a lot of my preseason content, I've kind of written around Wisconsin being a playoff threat because they're on the, quote, you know, easy side, end quote, of the Big Ten. So, yeah, this, this is the last year that they'll, they'll have the East and West. And then next year, once USC and UCLA join, man, it'll be a absolute free-for-all in that conference. And, and I think top to bottom, the Big Ten next season, along with the SEC with Texas and OU coming in, you're talking about two, not just Power Five leagues, but two super conferences. And depending on how the playoff committee shakes out and you know how we have these auto bids versus at-large, the first year of the 12-team playoff next year, we could see maybe seven or eight teams from the SEC and Big Ten making up for it. 
Oh, for sure. And I think they're definitely going to have to redo their auto bids because I don't see how you can give the Pac-12 an automatic bid when they have, what are they, four teams now? So there's definitely some stuff that's going to have to change. What about, uh, you mentioned, what are some of your sleeper teams? I know you mentioned Wisconsin potentially being uh, some teams that are not getting maybe the national attention that you think have a chance to be really, really good. I think Texas a and is a team that, you know, we probably sold most of our stock on them last season after sure. just winning five games. But A&M's a team that, in terms of the two deep, man, you're not going to find many teams as talented as those starting 22 as Jimbo going to have. You know, the the marriage with Bobby Petrino is a huge storyline. You know, can former five-star quarterback Connor Wagman play really well? You know, will, will this defense with a bunch of four and five stars at the line of scrimmage, you know, will it play well? So I think A&M has a chance to go – 5-0 and in September, and, and that would include wins over Miami and Arkansas and Auburn. So if they're able to beat three, you know, what I consider pretty good teams, 5-0 and going into October in the SEC, that means you're top 10, and you're right in the thick of that playoff picture. So A&M's a team that I'm looking at, and then I think the Pac-12 has three legitimate elite teams, and I, I think they're USC, Washington, and Oregon. I'm, I'm not sold on Utah despite you know, two-time defending Pac-12 champ. I know Cam Rising is back, but this is the year I think we see a different champion in the Pac-12. And, hey, man, Lincoln Riley has never won a playoff game, so he's more than due. Yeah, and Washington is the team that I was wondering if you were going to hit on. From what I hear about Washington, their quarterback, Michael Penix, man, and they have a loaded receiver room. You said they have a top three receiver room. Talk a little bit about Washington because I think they are due for a huge year. Yeah, they've got Rome Adunze. He's a top five wide receiver. I've ranked him and Jalen McMillan, another another top ten guy. So you're talking about, you know, 40% of the nation's top ten receivers play for Washington or Ohio State. That's how loaded those two teams are. And then Kalen DeBoer heading into his second year. I mean, they were 11-2 last season, sort of a uh, shocking elite team on, on the West Coast. And this is the last year Washington has a chance to win the Pac-12 because you know, they're one of those holdovers and expansion teams with Oregon over in the Big Ten. So I think Washington at the quarterback position is elite. I think the Pac-12 is very good at that spot. Obviously, Bo Nix at Oregon, Caleb Williams, you know, a bunch, bunch of guys out there, Cameron Rising, as we mentioned. So Washington's a team that I think if they can get through September unscathed, there's a two- or three-game stretch there in November against Utah, Oregon, USC. That's when – kind of all hell is going to break loose in the Pac-12, and we're going to see which two teams are left standing. Yeah, that's a brutal stretch. We've talked this whole podcast, and we haven't mentioned LSU, a team that I am very, very high on. Brian Kelly has a lot coming back. What are your thoughts on LSU, and where do you see them ranking in the national perspective by the end of the year? I was able to get five minutes off to the side with Brian last month in Nashville, SEC Media Days, and I just kind of asked him, you know, I know the reason you left Notre Dame was to win a national championship. And your first year at LSU, you won the West, you beat Nick Saban, you won 10 games. You know, how close is this program to winning it? And I I think Brian truthfully does not think this is the year they make the playoffs. Can they make the playoffs? Sure. They, like you mentioned, they are loaded in 2D, very good quarterback room. One of the best quarterback rooms in the country was Jaden Daniels and Garrett Nussmeyer. Somehow LSU was able to keep, you know, Nussmeyer in that room and from entering the portal, but very good at, at running back, wide receiver, and then Harold Perkins. I mean, he's the top returning defensive player in college football 
in my estimation, against Arkansas last season. He single-handedly won that game, several sacks, pressures. I think he had a pick against K.O. Jefferson. Just a really good player. But I'm, I'm going to side with Brian here. I don't think that they're at that playoff level just yet. Now, maybe in 2024 they will be, certainly, once it expands. But LSU's a team that I know Bama got picked to win the West in, in Nashville, and I, I picked Bama too. But LSU-Alabama in November, the winner of that game is going to win the division. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I, I'm i a little shocked that, you know, Brian said that because I, I really think LSU is at that playoff level. I, I think that they right now have a great chance to beat Alabama. Now, we'll see how the quarterback – uh, Jalen Milrow progressing. Yeah, he might have been that. sandbagging a little bit. You know, you know how coaches get. He he might think LSU is scary good, and then on the record he tells me, <laughs> I don't. You know, I don't. I don't know yet. That's 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 always a scary omen, as as you hear as a reporter. Yeah, because it's yeah that is because it's surprising. Like you said, he he could be sandbagging, but he may have just been dead honest. Who knows? Let's talk about yeah. Auburn, and I'm not going to keep you long, man. I I really appreciate you giving up your time. Talk about Auburn a little bit. Hugh Freeze coming in, that quarterback competition. Talk. What do you think Auburn's going to do this year? Man, I really like – you know, Hugh Freeze only been there for, what, about about nine months now. But I, I really like what he's done in his infancy so far on the Plains. From a recruiting standpoint, I mean, he almost flipped the roster. He didn't quite do it. Deion Sanders, that's at Colorado. But, mm. you know, he went portal heavy. He got a quarterback in Peyton Thorne. He's battling Robbie Ashford. I think Peyton Thorne's going to be the guy there. He got Jock Wears Hunter back from that, you know, off-season, off-the-field <laughs> issue. Yep. Um, signed several receivers, got a new O-line. So, you know, Auburn's a team that I think the win totals at about six and a half. That that sounds about right for year one. But if I'm Nick Saban, I'm certainly paying attention to what's happening on the Plains. I think Hugh Freeze, at least among his peers, he's respected as a recruiter. And, and you know, he's already flipped Perry Thompson, five-star wideout Alabama. He's already put another five-star the other day. So, you know, Auburn's recruiting at a level right now that, you know, you, you're going to push this team from the 20 to 25 range up into the elites again. And as you know, man, you've watched college football long enough to know that once you put together two or three straight elite recruiting classes, then you'll be competing for titles in the SEC. Oh, for sure. And what he's doing recruiting, like you said, flipping Perry Thompson is insane. I thought he was going to get K.J. Bolton, Bolden, but he committed yeah. to Florida State. But what he's doing right now is – it's really impressive, and I'm as an Alabama fan, I'm kind of scared looking two to three years down the road when he does have those two to three recruiting classes in. It could be really scary. You mentioned Deion Sanders. What do you think about that process of getting all those transfer transfers in, and how do you see their season going? I tell you what, man, I am really excited to just follow Colorado football, honestly, for the first time in my professional life because Deion Sanders has made the Buffs relevant again despite not even coaching the game yet. So I think it's going to be very interesting to kind of see how they perform in that opener. They play at TCU on the road. TCU, a lot of guys back, made the final last year, three touchdown underdogs. And there's a lot of chances in that game for Colorado's, you know, new talent to sort of prove themselves. Shadour Sanders has never played Power 5 football. What if he goes out there, man, and throws four touchdown passes? They beat TCU. And all of a sudden, man, the Colorado hype machine is alive. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing Travis Hunter, five-star corner. You know, he, he transferred. He was the flip that Dion got last year at Jackson State from Florida State. So, you know, Dion, like I said, he has made Colorado nationally relevant. Now, will that be the same if he goes four and eight in year one? Probably not. But uh, I think it's a very interesting follow this season. And 
certainly I'll be tuned in to Coach Prime week in and week out. Yeah, Coach Prime, I don't know if – I know I for sure have never seen anything like it. Went to a program, I think they were 1-11, maybe 0-12 last year, and just got all the hype and all – getting the players to transfer, got five-star com- – McCon- McLean, the defensive back, yeah. and then get Travis Hunter and all that. Travis Urban Meyer comes out and says Travis Hunter. It looks like uh, Percy Harvin to him. I don't know if you saw that. Urban Meyer said that in an interview. I did not. Wow, that's 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 quite a comp right there, man. Percy was special. Yeah, I think it was on the Colin Cowherd show that he said that, and then and then you get um Sanders, the quarterback. He's getting Heisman. Like people put money on him to kind of win the Heisman. So. I'm really excited to see them. TCU, I think that's going to be a good test. A lot of people are going to be watching that big noon kickoff. But, Mr. Brad, I told you I'm not going to hold you very long. I really appreciate you coming on and doing this. It was a lot of fun. We'll have to do it again. Hey, thanks so much, man. Anytime. All right, man. You have a great day. That was Brad Crawford from 27sports.com. Follow him. Great guy. Great stuff. Puts out really good content. He came on here and dropped a lot of knowledge, a lot of great stuff. Make sure to follow him, and until next week, we'll see you later.